Good morning, everyone. I want to get this up there without breaking my teeth. Although I do think we have a dentist in the house, right? Well, how many fathers do we have in the church this morning? Yes, well, happy Father's Day. And uh, Proverbs 23, verse 24, we're carrying on in the series. I like this verse. The father of godly children has cause for joy. What a pleasure it is to have wise children. And don't we get a lot of happiness from our children? We watch them growing. We watch them serving God, being involved in the kingdom of God. And Ruth and I, incidentally, Ruth is here. Stand up, Ruth. She's my wife from my first marriage. And um, 54 years ago, <clears throat> and we have three children, Eeny, Meeny, Miney, ain't going to be no more, and 12 uh, wonderful grandchildren, Gloria has three, Rachel has three, and our youngest, Elizabeth, lives down near Toronto, she has six, she's got her hands full, Right? So, well, today, across North America, we are, they are honoring fathers all across North America. Since 1922, the third Sunday in June has been set aside to pay tribute to our fathers. Now, God commands us in one of the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, verse 12, to honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. So how many would like to live a long time? Then honor your mother and father. Do you know why God commands us to honor our fathers? Well, one reason is because of the meaning of the word father. In the verb form, the word father means the founder, the foundation, the author. And you fathers are authors of your home. And God wants you to author a God-loving, God-fearing, God-honoring home. Malachi, in the book of Malachi, it talks about why God brings couples together. It says that we might raise a godly seed. And that's, that's our purpose in life, is to raise a godly seed. To have children that love and serve the Lord. And uh, that can be involved in the kingdom of God. Now, uh, from Genesis 6, I want to show every man this morning how to be an influential father. If there ever was a generation that needed godly, influential, influential fathers, it is this generation. 
Noah was living in similar days to what we are living in. God describes the days of Noah in the first four verses of Genesis 6. Noah's days were filled with a falling away from God, with apostasy. That means a falling away from God. They were days of anarchy. What does anarchy mean? Anarchy means everyone did what was right in their own eyes. They had no, no restraint. And they were also days of apathy. Sounds like modern North America. Apostasy, anarchy, and apathy. In the midst of this moral darkness, Noah's life was radiant with righteousness. He was a righteous man. Didn't matter what the society was like all around him, he was a righteous man. And he raised a godly family. Genesis 6 and verse 5, it says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Noah lived in the worst of times. In fact, it got so bad that it says, And the Lord repented uh, that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. But Noah was different. It says in verse, uh, verse 8, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 9, Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. Don't you know it was difficult to raise a godly home in that environment? But cheer up. It is possible. We can raise godly children in this wicked and perverse generation. But know this, that we are the key. We men, we fathers are the key. Just as Noah is the key for his house. Joshua said this too. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. He set the pace, and we are the ones to set the pace. Beginning in Genesis 6 up to chapter 9, let me show you how to be an influential father. What was it about Noah that made him an influential father? More important than that, how can we be influential dads? Well, First of all, it says that Noah was a faithful man. This is how Noah influenced his family. He walked with God amidst evil surroundings. And secondly, he was obedient to God when he was given a difficult task. And what was the difficult task? Genesis 6, verse 14, God said, uh, I'm going to destroy the earth. But I want you to build an ark. I want you to gather the animals together. And uh, then it says that he was remembered by the Lord. Genesis 8.1. The Lord remembered Noah and the waters assuaged. By faith he worked out his own salvation. Hebrews 11.7 says that he prepared an ark for the saving of his house. 
And you and I can prepare an ark for the saving of our house. Uh, he would, and it says that he warned his neighbors of coming judgment. 2 Peter 2 verse 5, he saved Noah, who was a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. And Noah also built the first altar, Genesis 8, 20. And Noah built an altar unto the Lord. And he was honored by God with an everlasting covenant because God sent the rainbow in the heavens. Now that's not the rainbow they were parading around downtown Winnipeg a few weeks ago. All right, just going to get that straight. That's a beautiful rainbow you see after a rainstorm. And that was a symbol that God said he would never, ever destroy the earth with a flood again. Contrast another man in the Bible. His name was Saul. He was, uh, he was Israel's first king. He was head and shoulders above everyone else. And at first, he walked with God. And then he got in trouble. And eventually, 1 Samuel 28, verse 15 says, God is departed from me and answers me no more by prophets, by dreams. In fact, he got so um, distressed that he even got involved in occult. He went and visited a witch, the witch of Endor. And that's what happens sometimes when we go away from God. We're searching for answers, grasping at straws, and we even go the wrong way. And that's what happened with, with Saul. America and Canada has rejected righteousness. Look at but a few of today's headlines to see what is happening to our children, our families, our schools, our military, our economy, and the very soul of our countries because people have lost their passion for righteousness. The traditional family, in many cases, is falling apart. Two out of five children in America do not live with their natural fathers. A child's relationship with his or her father can affect all of their relationships from birth to death, including those with friends and lovers and spouses. Millions of youth are addicted to drugs. And in the last few weeks, uh, when we go to ministerials, we've heard the mayor speak, Mayor of Winnipeg, Mayor, mayor Bowman, and we heard the uh, chief of police, Danny Smythe, um, we heard him speak and talk about the, the drug epidemics that is in our city. And many, many people are so addicted to drugs they can't function. Studies show, however, that children who are well-bonded and loved by involved fathers tend to have less behavioral problems and are somewhat inoculated against drugs and alcohol. Public schools have become a war zone where the bodies of the dead and dying lie wounded by the latest crazed shooters. 
Witchcraft is the fastest growing religion in America. Paganism is permitted in the U.S. military. America is racing towards financial bankruptcy because the Congress cannot come to grips with debt. America is the place where criminals become celebrities and celebrities do not go to jail. America is the place where marriage is being redefined, making the prohibition of a union between two people of the same sex unconstitutional. Why has this happened? Because there is no passion for righteousness in the majority of our country. If you want to experience the good life, it begins with a passion for righteousness. The Bible says that righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. It also says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things shall be added unto you. God promises the good life to those who diligently seek him. He satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. That's in Psalm 107 and verse 9. Now what happens in a person's private life is what spills over into his public public life. What goes on behind closed doors in one's home will tell you exactly what kind of blessings or problems he will bring to the forefront. Paul urged Timothy to take a deeper look at the personal life of a potential leader before inviting him to be part of his leadership team. It is impossible to overestimate the importance of dad. Girls who have a good relationship with their fathers tend to do better in math. There you go, girls. You want to do good in math? Have a good relationship with your father. And boys who have actively involved fathers tend to have better grades. Uh, When I read that, I thought I should have had two fathers. Who we are and who we are to be and who we are becoming Uh, as fathers, are central to that outcome. Now, maybe you'd like to turn to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 9. I'm going to read some qualifications here. I don't hear any pages turning. Well, you have to take my word for it then. This is a true saying... If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that rules well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride he fall into the condemnation of the devil. 
Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Likewise must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. God designed the home as a honing instrument for many of the qualities required to be a leader in the kingdom of God. Here's what's required of a leader, one that rules well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Now the Greek word for rules is proistomy. Pro means before or in front of, and the word istomy means to stand. Compounded, it means the leader or father depicts someone who is standing up front before others to lead, guide, to direct, or to manage a situation. Someone who gives oversight or direction to a group of people or a project or a family, and he does it well to describe the way this person rules. It is the Greek word kalos, K-A-L-O-S, which means good, well, or skilled. It pictures an individual who has shown that he is able to successfully give oversight to a group of people or a project or a family. The Paul goes on in that chapter and talks about their home life. Paul said, it is required that a leader rule well his own house. The word in the Greek is oikos, O-I-K-O-S, which is the word for the physical house. It means the management of the house and everything that happens in that house. Thus, ruling one's house includes the management of the house and everything that happens in that house. It includes how he manages his home life his children, the upkeep of the physical house where he lives, and his personal finances. A leader or a father must have a good relationship with their spouse. Is it supportive, healthy? Is it a supportive, healthy marriage? Is there good communication between the husband and the wife? I'll introduce you to my wife this morning. And she's been putting up with me for 54 years. And our old pastor in Windsor, Ontario, he used to tell the people that the first 50 years are the hardest. What he meant was, you just can't rest on your laurels. You've got you've to keep working at it. Day after day after day, year after year after year. And someone has said that a happy marriage is the union of two good forgivers, right? Because sometimes we have to ask each other to forgive. And so uh, Paul Harvey said, 54 years on the road to forever. And that's what we intend to do. So uh, a leader must have a good home life, a good marriage, and their children. Proverbs 3, 11 and 12, 
My children, don't reject the Lord's discipline. And don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. You know, my father, who passed away almost 32 years ago, was this tall, this skinny, and weighed about 145 pounds. And he used to be um, quite a strict disciplinarian sometimes. And he'd say, I'm only doing this because I love you. And I said to him one time, I can only wait until I get big enough to return your love. <laughs> uh, I didn't really say that. It's a joke. But it's good. It's good to receive discipline, you know, because even the Lord disciplines us. I'm reading a book this week. And it's talking about the vine, abiding in the vine. We're, we're the branches, and, and he's the, the vine. And in John 15, it says, we are reminded if our lives consistently bear no fruit, God will intervene to discipline us. And so that's the kind of father he is. And... Um, that's the kind of fathers that we must be. A leader must have his children in subjection with all gravity. That means serious. Since people can only impart what they have in their private lives, it is good to see what they have imparted in their homes. Is there some visible fruit of the father's influence in the children's lives? Do the children speak respectfully to elders? Do they speak respectfully to each other? Do they understand authority and submission? Do the children do what they are told? Or do they ignore their parents' instruction? This is a clear sign as to the type of leader they will be. Dads must Model to their children what it means to follow and obey God. Do your children see you obeying God and diligently following him? And dad, sometimes it might be good if you told your children how God disciplined you and how he corrected you and how he straightened you out, got you on the straight and narrow path. Then Paul goes on and talks about the house. A leader must be one that rules well his own house. The word house refers to everything connected to home life. Part of home life is the physical house where the family lives. Is the home well kept and maintained? Is it neglected? Does it look like it's falling apart? You know... Uh, Ruth and I like to watch some of those home shows sometimes where the couple will buy an old wrecked house. It looks like it needs to be bulldozed down. And they pay a huge price for it. And many times they buy it sight unseen. And when they go in there, it's a mess. It's full of termites. And they spend mega bucks on it. And pretty soon they got it 
looking almost brand new. And uh, they earn a profit sometimes of $75,000. Is the yard mowed so you can have a good testimony? If a potential leader can't take care of his own domain, how can you put him in charge of your domain? And then their finances. Ruling well his own house begs the question of how does he handle his money and the payment of monthly bills. This reveals his personal integrity, his character, and how he respects the rights of others. It is impossible to separate a person's life from his private life if he has order and peace in his private life, it will give him a solid foundation for public ministry or being a good father. If he struggles with disorder, chaos, turmoil, confusion, upheaval, and anarchy in his private life, it will affect his ability to carry on publicly as a leader. And so here's a prayer for us in closing. Lord, help me to bring order into my personal life. Help me take care of those things that need attention. Help me to fix what needs fixing. I want every area of my life to glorify you. I confess that with God's help, I am putting my house in order. The way I handle my family life, my children, my physical home, and my finances brings honor and glory to Jesus Christ. I'm serious about my walk with God, and I invite him to invade every area of my life and bring it under his lordship. Jesus is Lord of my marriage, my children, my home, and my money. It all belongs to him. So I want to be a wise steward for his sake. Amen. Now I have a suggestion for you in closing. It's Father's Day. How many are going to see their fathers today? Yeah, many. I know I talked to some whose fathers were in another province. I hope you'll call them today, wish them happy Father's Day. And if you can't afford it, call them collect. <laughs> but get in touch with them and wish them... Uh, Happy Father's Day. God bless you. Pastor Chris, where are you?